Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the Story Church Podcast. Our podcast features audio from Sunday mornings at Story Church in Peru, Indiana, a community on the mission of connecting people's story to God's story. If you'd like to connect with us further, check out storyperu.com. Our hope is that today's episode helps you take your next step on your faith journey. Well, Merry Christmas. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, You know, it's funny, multiple people have said two things to me throughout this experience. So as we've been getting ready and planning this experience, uh, members of our team have kept saying, you went moody this year. And now I feel it, okay? But that's okay. It's called wonder, like we're leaning into it. The other thing people have said to me tonight is they're like, did you change the dress code around here? Because everybody has a blazer or sparkles or something going on. That's not the case. So if you're here in like a t-shirt or whatever you came here in, you're welcome here. You fit right in. I just had this blazer and it's like kind of velvety and there's not a lot of places I go that I can wear a velvety blazer anymore. So I decided tonight's the night. So whatever you're in, you're great. And we're glad that you're here. Uh, We're talking about wonder this season. And you know, wonder is just kind of baked into the way that we talk about Christmas. Uh, Thanks to our friend Andy Williams, it is the most wonderful time of the year, right? Does anybody remember this album? Yeah, so when I see this album and this album artwork, I think of my grandma on my mom's side because she loved this album. Uh, I think by the time I was around, it was in a CD case, but either way, it was always playing around her house at Christmas time. And uh, in fact, in case you haven't experienced the wonder yet this season of Andy Williams' like voice and, and delivery and performance, I found a clip of it online. So just for all of us to set the tone, check this out. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle-belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year Some of you are like, is he going to play the whole song? I guess this is what we're doing today. But no, like, isn't that just, it's everything, the like, 60s era man walks out onto like the lone stage with the lone light and the like slow zoom into his face uncomfortably close with that beautiful smile that he just like never turns off and then the like smoothest whitest voice you've ever heard it's amazing (laughs) so good you're welcome because I bet you needed that as much as me but uh, I'm serious I love the wonder of Christmas Uh, my favorite Christmas movie besides Die Hard Uh, is It's a Wonderful Life. Wonder's right there in the title, right? The story of George Bailey uh, and and just learning the significance of a life. It's so powerful. There's all that romanticism, right? When George lassos the moon and they're out there together. And uh, for me, I just like kind of generally identify with the aesthetic of George Bailey with his like, we're going to clean up this old town attitude and we're going to build airports and like all that stuff. I'm trying to channel that here in Peru. I don't know if it's working or not, Uh, but I love It's a Wonderful Life. There's always the annual wonder that happens under the Christmas tree on Christmas morning when dads discover what the moms got for their kids that year. I saw this meme. Uh, It's every mom watching you open presents Christmas morning and every dad just as surprised as you are. I'm not going to acknowledge whether or not that was true for me growing up because my dad's here, but it has passed on to the next generation. Okay, I'm excited to discover what my daughter got this year. Um, And honestly, in recent years for me, 
Uh, the wonder of Christmas has just come back alive in my household because I've got a five-year-old daughter, and there is nothing like experiencing Christmas through the eyes of a child, is there? I've got uh, this picture from when she was one year old, which feels like yesterday, but it was actually a while ago. But we went through We Care Park in Kokomo, long live in our memories. Uh, but she was just like amazed by the lights, right? And I can just remember her taking it in. And uh, some things haven't changed over the years because as we were prepping uh, for these services, we actually were trying to figure out what kind of lights we were going to get. And so we found these little fairy twinkle lights, but I wanted to see if they would work or not. So I personally bought a set for my house and brought it home. And my daughter saw them. She's like, this is amazing. So we stretched them all out. Uh, She helped me get it all stretched out. We carried it into her room, hung it all around her room. We've named it Twinkle Town. Okay, so her room is Twinkle Town. I may or may not have even written like a little jingle for it, which I will not sing to you right now because I do have some dignity. Yeah, I know. Maybe afterwards. Find me later. Uh, But the other thing that we did is we set up her Christmas tree and... uh, in reality, I had a cheap little like Alexa-powered Wi-Fi plug that I plugged in, but being the cool creative dad that I am, I told her that her tree was running off the magic of Twinkletown, okay? And so, so far we're good this season, okay? But like every night and every morning, she like turns to the tree and she goes, by the magic of Twinkletown, turn on! And I'm like, <laughs> so far we're good, okay? Kid, don't spoil it for her, okay? If you know, we're we're good with this, right? Okay, 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 cool. So yeah, that's my thing right now, but it is really is amazing. Christmas really is a wonderful time of the year, and uh, it's this season, I feel like, for many of us. I was talking earlier about how it can be hard to feel a sense of wonder and amazement day in and day out, but this is a season where it's like we still lean into it a little bit, right? We, We still try and just experience that wonder of this season. It's a pause where we allow ourselves to remember and to embrace this story that's full of wonder. Uh, But the truth is, unfortunately, that's pretty rare in our everyday lives, isn't it? It's pretty rare that we're walking around with a sense of awe and wonder at everyday life. Most of us are just too busy to even do that, right? And some of us, we feel like we'll be made fun of if we really just walk around like, wow, the world's amazing all the time. The truth is our world and the pace at which we live can stomp the wonder out of us if we're not careful. We're taught to be rational, right? To be reasonable, that, that we grow up and we grow out of some of that childlike perspective on life. We get practical. We have responsibilities. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. In fact, a lot of that is really true and really good stuff for us to lean into. Uh, but our world that we live in, right? Our society tends to view our world as unenchanted. We, we view our world as, as something that's easily explained. Everything can be Googled, right? Everything can be answered. And so we lean in Uh, to this rational view of the world, and and we tend to avoid or never go into that more transcendent or or spiritual, if you want to call it, uh, kind of space. And in fact, I think maybe a gut check for all of us today, as far as how we're doing with this topic of wonder and awe, is this. When is the last time that you sensed a feeling of absolute awe and wonder at something mysterious or something beautiful or something bigger than yourself. It's not like high on most of our to-do lists, right? (laughs) To go experience some awe and wonder. And yet, if you've ever experienced that before, you know how powerful that feeling is, right? You know how powerful it is when you see maybe a beautiful sunset and you're just drawn into it, or you hear a a beautiful song and and you're captured by it. You see a work of art that somehow speaks to you. It's powerful when we experience wonder. And I think uh, the artist Pablo Picasso actually captured this dynamic that so many of us face as we grow older so well. 
He said this, that every child is an artist. But the problem is how do we remain an artist once we grow up? Right? Every child, just they're born innocent. They're born with wonder. They're born with excitement and this sense of wonder at life. And then we grow up. And it's understandable that some of us grow out of wonder the older we get, right? Like there's unmet expectations that show up along the way. There's that diagnosis that came out of nowhere that changed your plans. Maybe you're a person who's experienced what I was talking about earlier. You've been mocked for your big-hearted belief in something. People think that that's silly or, or childish or naive. Maybe, like most of us, at some point along the way, you started to just accept that this is the way that things are, right? This is the way that the world works. And maybe this season, even though it's the most wonderful time of the year, maybe it's hard for you as well because you're just trying to keep up with it, right? All of us run at a crazy pace and we're trying to just get it all together. Maybe financially, right, it's been a hard year for a lot of us. You're just trying to make ends meet. You're trying to keep up with it. Maybe there's something going on with your health or maybe some relational tension going on. It can make it hard to live a life marked by awe and wonder when life's difficult. But what I hope uh, we can do with our time together this Christmas, as we celebrate the wonder of the story of what God did in and through Jesus, I hope that in the midst of whatever we're facing, you might lean in with me over these next few moments and that you might actually reawaken a bit to the wonder of this Christmas story that we celebrate together. Uh, because at the end of the day, we all live according to a narrative or to a story. I like stories if you haven't caught on because we call this whole place Story Church. But all of us live according to some type of a story. The narrative that you're living by is the story that you believe about yourself and about your circumstances. It's that a constructed account that we all have about what's going to happen based on what we know. Um, it's that voice maybe that you tell yourself when you say, well, I'm just not like that, right? Or, or things like that don't happen to people like me. Or, or I don't have enough to contribute. It's that voice that shows up that tells us a story about ourselves. And you may or may not know this, but before the very first Christmas, there was actually a story that the people of God were telling themselves about who God was and about who they were. God had offered all these promises about what he was going to do, how he was going to rescue his people, how he was eventually going to set the whole world right. And then God went silent for about 400 years. And in that gap, God's people started to tell themselves the story that God had forgotten them. They started to tell themselves the story uh, that they were oppressed. Rome ruled the day, and so they said, God's forgotten us, and we don't have any power. This just is what it is. We're stuck here, and we don't have the power to change it. And yet, what we celebrate today, 2,000-something years later, is the wonder of Christmas that God shows up in the most surprising places that God often shows up in the most unexpected way. And perhaps there is no greater wonder of God than the wonder of how he became one of us at Christmas time. That God, like the infinite, eternal God who created everything, who sustains everything, he became a child, right? a baby in a manger. The great theologian Charles Spurgeon talked about the wonder of this story in this way. He says, if for the first time you heard of the visit of the incarnate God to this world, or in other words, God in a human body, you would be struck with a wonder that would last throughout all of eternity, that God himself should really condescend to such a deed as this. This is the heart of the gospel, the incomparable fact of the incarnation of the Son of God, his dwelling on the earth, and his presentation of himself as a sacrifice unto God. That's a lot of lofty talk, right? Charles lived a little while ago. But what he's saying is like, if we really grasped how absurd it is, 
that the infinite God became an infant. It would blow our minds. We could never get over the wonder of that reality. And yet, so many other things fight for our attention, don't they? One of my favorite theologians, a guy named N.T. Wright, observed this about the way we live our lives. He said, you become like what you worship. When you gaze in awe and admiration and wonder at something or someone, you begin to take on something of the character of the object of your worship. He's basically saying all of us worship something, whether we know it or not. Something captures our attention. Something uh, gets the value that we can attribute to it. And he says that that really matters because what we worship or what we fix our attention on actually shapes us. It it can actually direct our lives, which kind of begs another gut check question, right? Like what does your life actually reveal about who or what you're worshiping? What does your life and the way that you live it and the things that matter to you and where your money goes and where your time goes actually reveal about what's most important to you? Today what I want to do is I want to look at a couple of characters in the Christmas story who were actually originally on the sidelines. They were just kind of drawn in at the last minute. They were out minding their own business. Uh, But I want to challenge you, and honestly challenge me today, to respond to this Christmas story in the same way that the shepherds and the wise men did. These side characters who were out just doing their thing, people who were interrupted by the arrival of Christmas, uh, these seekers who were looking for something, and yet found it in the most unexpected place. And maybe for you, that describes you today, right? Maybe you know you're looking for something. Maybe life's not exactly how you want it to be. And maybe you think you found it. But maybe tonight, you could discover some truth in an unexpected place as well. So everybody grab your Linus blanket, okay? Because we're going to read from Luke 2. The story goes like this. It says that there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So they're just doing their job. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. There it is, right? Wonder. It just shows up in the story. These shepherds are out doing their jobs. It's nighttime, right? It's probably, I don't know, cold. It's not cold because they're in the desert, but we like to imagine that it's cold, right? Because it's cold here usually. So anyway, they're out there and they're just going about their everyday life. And then suddenly there's this heavenly interruption. And how do they respond? The same way that all of us would respond if we're honest, right? They're terrified, (laughs) They're like, what is happening? And they find themselves caught up in the wonder of it all. The angels are singing. This announcement is made. And then they look at each other. It's like, I kind of love the way the text describes it. If you humanize them a little bit, it's like, oh, the angels are there. And then they disappear and they're like, maybe we ought to check that out, right? Like, that looks pretty cool. Guess we'll go see what that. So they go to Bethlehem and they see this thing that's happened. And it says they hurried, right? Because they're like, is it true? Just like everybody else, they've been waiting. And in fact, shepherds in this day, they were at the bottom of the totem pole in many ways as far as professions. It wasn't looked upon honorably to be a shepherd. You just kind of lived out in the wilderness. 
And yet, the angel announces to them in this unexpected way that something incredible has happened. So they hurry off, and when they see him, they don't just keep it to themselves, right? They're so caught up in awe and wonder. It says they spread the word about what was told to them, and everyone who heard it was amazed. They heard this message, they responded to it, and it led the people into awe and wonder, which I think for us today maybe begs a question. What if the interruptions that show up in our lives are actually invitations? What, what if the interruptions that show up in our lives and, and seem to disrupt our plans, right? seem to disrupt where we want to go and what we want to do, what if some of those interruptions might actually be invitations from God to experience the wonder of who he is once again. Don't get me wrong, okay? Interruptions when they show up in life, sometimes they're incredibly difficult, and I don't want to gloss over that. At best, they're annoying sometimes, right? It's like I'm busy and I'm doing my thing and I don't have time for that. And yet, I think so often, if we view it rightly, those interruptions might actually be invitations into the story of what God is doing in and around us. Maybe it's a person who shows up in your path with a need or a person that you haven't seen for a while that you can connect with again. And you're like, I'm trying to get to work, right? At this season, it's like, I gotta get the gifts bought. I gotta get the gifts wrapped. I gotta like make sure my kids don't know, whatever. So like, there's just a lot happening. And then that person shows up and you're like, "Mm," right? I know I ought to, but I don't have time. (laughs) You know, I want to, but I don't have time. Maybe for you, the interruption is an unexpected circumstance. I mean, sometimes it's incredibly difficult. That diagnosis I talked about, or, or your job, or something that happens there, like these disruptions can happen and they set our lives on a different course. Often we call moments like that a defining moment, right? A, a before and after moment in our life. But the thing that often defines us in those moments is not so much what happens to us, but how we respond to what happens to us. So what if it's possible? If your life is feeling a little interrupted this season, what if that's actually an invitation from God for you to trust him in a new way, for you to experience him in a new way, and maybe to be drawn back into the wonder of this story in a new way? There's another group that get roped into the story. There are these wise men traveling from afar, and we'll jump to Matthew's account to hear about them. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod and the king, which I don't know, I picked like the King James version for some reason, just to make it feel Christmassy, I guess, because he says, behold. But anyway, after those days, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Here's the thing about the wise men. We don't know a lot about them. Okay, they were these guys, they were wanderers in some ways. They were from the east. They were likely astronomers or people who studied the stars, They were important enough that they get their own Christmas jam, so that's cool, right? And and do you know what they sing in that song? Star of wonder, right? There it is right there. So that's what they're following. They see this star, and they're like, that must mean something. And and so they start on their path, and then eventually they encounter King Herod, who is like the regional ruler of the day in Judea. And and they talk to King Herod, and King Herod kind of acts interested, but the truth is Herod was threatened. Because he had heard prophecies of this king who was going to come and set everything right, and that sounded powerful to him. And do you know what a lot of people in power are threatened by? Somebody else who might be more powerful. So Herod's like, if there's another king, we got to make sure that he doesn't take my power away. So he plays nice with these wise men. And he's basically like, yeah, I've heard the rumors too. Go check it out and let me know, wink, wink. Okay, so the guys go, and eventually they arrive there. They catch on to what Herod's trying to do, and they don't play ball, but they get there. 
They, they show up on the scene, and Matthew goes on. It says, after they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, and they presented him with the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Again, these guys were seekers, right? They were wandering. They saw the star in the sky, and they thought, what could it possibly mean? And as they pieced together the details of the story, they show up on the scene. And the text tells us, once again, they're overjoyed, right? They, they see something unexpected, this newborn king laying in a manger, and they naturally respond. It says they bowed down and they worshiped him. I mean, isn't that significant? Isn't that, again, another source of wonder in the story? We always see them in our nativity sets, the kings, right? We three kings, walk, they have crowns on, they have gold, they're like all decked out. They are the fanciest boys at the nativity scene. And yet they bow down to a baby in a manger, right? They bow down in reverence to God made human. These seekers are looking for something. But here's another question that their role in the story brings to us. What if what you're seeking this season is actually found in an unexpected place? Right? What, what if what you're seeking this season isn't found on the other side of more effort from you? It isn't found on another thing in your schedule or, or that promotion that you want or, or even that relationship being made right? Like, What if the thing you're seeking is actually found in an unexpected place in the same way that it was that very first Christmas. See, the wonder of Christmas, ultimately, is God with us. God filling this world with his presence and experiencing wonder. It's actually an essential part of what it means to live in the midst of God's story. Our, our mission here at Story Church, we say we exist to help connect people's story to God's story. But if you want to experience God's story, you have to be open to some wonder, right? You have to be open to some uh, beyond us, bigger than us aspects to the story. I mean, we believe in this resurrected guy, and I don't know if you like studied in biology or even passed it, but most people who die stay dead, right? And then we believe that this miracle happened. There's so many elements of it. And wonder is the thing that happens when we sidestep the familiar. Wonder is the thing that happens when we break the script. And so often, right, think back to the last time you felt that sense of awe and wonder. Isn't it true that you just kind of put pause on everything else and you're just like, whoa, I got to pay attention to that, right? Whoa, I, I, I might not be able to explain it, but I got to take it in. <laughs> I was thinking about this again with my daughter uh, just throughout this season. She's five, so she is in like why phase all the time. Like, why does that happen? Or why is it working out like that? Or how does it happen? And we were actually setting up uh, this week for our experiences and hanging some of this stuff up. And uh, I was carrying a ladder around and she went, whoa, Dada, how are you that strong that you move a ladder? I was like, I know, Eden, right? T tell the people. But, but like, it just kind of struck me because she just had, like, I'm like, it's a ladder. It wasn't a big one, okay? It wasn't impressive at all. I was just like, doop, moving it over. She's like, wow, you can do that? And she's five, so that's just like her natural posture, right? It's, wow, look at the world, right? Wow, how does that work? Even the things she doesn't understand, she starts with wonder. She says, wow, right? What a world that we live in. And it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes by another theologian, a guy named G.K. Chesterton, talking about the character of God himself. And, and he's thinking about children. He says, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit, fierce and free, 
Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. And I can vouch for that part of the quote, okay? The whole do it again, dad thing, do it again, mom. He says, for grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Isn't that a powerful thought? There's a songwriter who, inspired by this quote, actually wrote a song a couple years back called God is Young. And the hook of the song says, God is young, and maybe we're the ones who grow old. It's powerful. And if you're like me, it might even be true of your experience of life, right? The older we get, the easier it is to grow cynical and to grow weary and to lose our connection with God and to lose that sense of wonder that we once had towards life. And by the way, this is a big deal to Jesus because after he grows up from being that baby in a manger, he becomes a man who has a ministry and kind of becomes a big deal. People start flocking to him and there's crowds all around and there's this one moment uh, where he did something that totally turned people's minds upside down. Uh, The disciples are gathering together and they're starting to have this little side debate about who's the most important, which they did often. And it says that at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus is awesome. So he just like owns these guys in front of everybody. He's like, you know what? Bring me a little kid. And Jesus calls a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you're converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name, receives me. That's kind of crazy in our culture, but it was extremely crazy in Jesus's culture. Because in the ancient world, children weren't valued like they are in our world. In the ancient world, children were just kind of like nuisances until they grew up and became contributing members of society. Some of you are like, amen, but none of you, okay, we don't believe that. But Jesus, right, these guys are like, who's the most important in your kingdom? This kingdom that Jesus talked about all the time, this kingdom where God sets everything right. They're like, who's most important? And Jesus pulls a little kid in the middle and says, you all need to become like this. Wonder, right? Naivety, innocence. And he says, anybody who welcomes a child like this actually welcomes me. It's so extraordinary. But to Jesus, childlike wonder is a gift. And so I wonder, for all of us this season, what if the invitation God has for you this Christmas is to actually reawaken to the wonder of life with God? What if we could actually live our lives awake to the wonder of who God is and what he's done and what he wants to do in and through our lives? What if you could actually unwrap yourself from the complexity of your life that can often just dominate our time and our energy and instead find a way to relish in the beauty of God with childlike wonder? Inviting the presence of God in. And and you know what? There's this thing that we do often in church, and I, I, 
you may or may not know this, we have this building project we're doing. We're going to move into our new home next year, and we're really excited about that. But right now, I kind of love that we meet in a movie theater because sometimes, like, we, we get weird about religious things, and we think, like, sacred spaces are somehow, like, where God's contained, like the church is inside, or God is inside the four walls of a church. And so I love that we meet in a movie theater because people are like, really? <laughs> like, like, God's there too? And in fact, when we were starting this church, some people would be like, oh, I can never go to your church. God would strike me with a lightning bolt. And I was like, it's fine. Do you go to the movies? And they're like, yeah, okay, cool, you fit right in. But, but sometimes we fall into this mindset that it's our job to somehow like invite the presence of God in or, or like we just have to pray hard enough that God shows up. But friends, the miracle of Christmas is that God has already shown up, that God is already present and active in this world. And the problem is not that God's not here. The problem is that our attention is everywhere else, right? The problem is that so often we need to raise our awareness, not beg for more of God's presence. We need to raise our awareness of where God is already at and God is already active because Jesus came into a world where there was no room for him and yet God made space. And maybe this season, he's making room for you too. Right? Maybe this season, you can find yourself back in the story again. There's an author named Parker Palmer uh, who describes this odd reality of Christmas, that somehow Jesus is God in a body, right? that, that fully God and fully man on display. He says, at the center of my faith is a paradox, which is Jesus is God and man. And a paradox means two opposing truths that exist in the same space. There's no way to answer those opposing truths. The only thing you can do is enter into the mystery of it and then let that transform you. And listen, the world that we live in, I mean, we hear about fake news all the time. We have fact checkers everywhere, right? Again, we can Google everything. We are so obsessed with what's factual, and we all have our own set of facts, by the way, but that's a different topic for a different day. We're so obsessed with what's factual, sometimes we ignore what's true. Sometimes we ignore the things that cause us to, to think bigger and to dream again, the things that draw us into the wonder of God. And, and I think it's remarkable, this topic of wonder, it makes me think of creativity and art in, in a lot of ways. And, and the thing about artists, like do you know what uh, you call somebody who uh, takes art and puts it in a museum? They're called curators, right? Curators are the people who, who see beautiful things and, and they hang them up in a museum. But did you know that same word has another root and another meaning, because there is what's known as a curate, right, curator, there's a curate, and a curate is actually a priest. It's a person who plays a role in the Catholic Church, and the point, the reason these words are connected, these roles are connected, is because they're people who pay attention to what's good in the world. It's people who pay attention to what God is up to in the world, the curator of art, and the priest, or the pastor, or the Christian, right, where people who are called to be awake to the wonder of what God is up to in our day and in this time. So maybe this Christmas, God wants you to reawaken to the wonder of who he is and what he's done for you and what he wants to do in and through you. And when you experience that, guess what that means for us? It means we actually get to inhabit the story of who God is and what he's done. That's why our mission is to connect your story to God's story. It's because we think that you have a part to play in it that you're actually invited in. We all have a narrative that we tell ourselves about our lives. But what if this season, God wants to challenge that story, right? That, that voice in your head that always wants to say, it, it can't be different than it is, that I couldn't possibly have a part to play, that, that God couldn't want to use somebody like me. 
Maybe if you're honest, it's hard to believe God loves somebody like you. But do you know what Christmas tells us? Christmas confirms what Jesus spoke of often, that another world is possible, that there is a day coming, and it's even already arriving, where he sets everything right. And he wants to use people like you and people like me, the unexpected, maybe feels like bystanders, invited in to participate in the wonder of God. And maybe for you this season, you need to remember. Maybe you need to remember what it was like to be a kid at Christmas. And I'm not talking about like waiting for the gifts or, or any of that stuff. That's all good too. But I mean that wonder that it felt bigger than us, right? That wonder that just felt like, wow, it's Christmas time, right? What, what if you need to feel that again? And what if God wants to wake you up to that same kind of wonder this year? Because God is young and maybe we are the ones who've grown old along the way. And, and listen to me, I, if you hang around us long enough here, you'll know that I'm not saying like, just turn off your brain and don't, don't think. That, I, I don't believe that for a second. But what I do think is that so often we live in our heads and we forget to open up our hearts, right? So often we think that it's up to us to figure things out and we forget to invite God to meet us where we're at. So what if this Christmas, God wants to invite you back into the wonder of God with you in the midst of whatever you're facing, that God is with you right now. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in or near the Peru, Indiana area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. To find directions, service times, and information about our environments for kids, visit us at storyperu.com.